been three and a half years since I've been here. And um, I've been looking forward to this day. I've, I so enjoy being with you. You are very, very special to me. And as Graham mentioned, you have been journeying with me in this crazy, ridiculous um, journey that I'm on with God in Cambodia. And it's, oh, it's so wonderful, so challenging. <laughs> but I just thank you that you were a part of it. And um, you guys have been a huge part of the new car that I got finally um, in September last year. So I only got to drive it around for like three months and then I've had to leave it behind because now I'm in Australia for a whole six months. I actually had two months off. Wow, after 25 years, I figured I probably should have a little bit of long service leave for the first time. So um, I had two months off in January and February and then since March I've been visiting other churches and supporters and I'll keep doing that until June and go back in the middle of June. And so I've been up here in Brisbane since Easter and I'll go back in another few days. I'll back to Melbourne because that's my home base. Unfortunately, like why in the world did my parents choose to land in Melbourne when they came to Australia? They came to Australia when I was five. It's like, Melbourne, it's freezing. <laughs> yeah. So there's some of you that don't know me though. So um Hopefully, like over tea and coffee, and then this evening I'll get to know a few more of you. I met some lovely ladies yesterday morning at the morning tea. That was really great. But so you may not know what I'm actually doing. Uh, so I am making disciples that make disciples in Cambodia that stay in their culture. You see, uh, God called me to be a missionary, and I will talk about that uh, tonight. And... Um, I knew that it was going to be something where he wanted to reveal himself to people in Cambodia as their God, not as the foreign God. Um, so that was already in my thinking. I'd already experienced multiplying disciples on the university campus. and um, But just two months before I got on the plane as a missionary, I was in a women's meeting in my home church in Melbourne and the guest speaker was speaking about courage. So that was really appropriate for me and um and then at the end she said now I don't I'm not going to call people up the front for prayer I just want you to sit in your seat and talk to God so I'm sitting in my seat talking to God and God challenges me to have the courage to believe that he's going to transform the nation of Cambodia at a deep heart level in my lifetime and I was like you want me to believe that what I you know, descended into a puddle of tears trying to get my head and my heart around that. But that has just continued to be the driving force behind what I'm doing in Cambodia. So that has meant that just, you know, doing normal church has not been sufficient. Um, God's just continually just been pushing me to go deeper and deeper and to and to look for the ways that he is working there in Cambodia in a way that really gets to the heart level for people and then is simple enough that it just multiplies and um with so you know we're, we're getting there and uh you guys have been part of that journey of of me coming to understand some real keys that i'm going to share with you a little bit more um but we're still on that journey you know we haven't seen it yet and um so i'm there like going okay god you know i'm there for as long as you want me as close to forever as possible 
And uh, we're still, you know, just always seeking God for, okay, what's the next step? What's the next thing of how this is going to fulfill what you're wanting it to do? Um, so, yeah, so it's about Jesus coming into their world, not them leaving their world to come to Jesus. And um, so we, we don't do church meetings like this. Uh, we do really low-key, family-based uh, relational and um, actually I'm going to show you a video clip now and in it you'll get to see the car and it's um, going to take you with me on a village day. Now let me tell you a story. Uh, the family where uh, we had lunch there, the uh, slightly older woman there, she's the mother of one of them, one of the other women and um, uh, so normally I just, actually, the, the daughter is the main person that I'm discipling and she is sharing with her mother. The mother sometimes joins us, sometimes doesn't. And, um, and then the mother has been sharing with her relatives in their home village. And there was one day that I went together with all of them to their home village. And it was, it was a great day. We were having, you know karaoke and barbecue and you know there's like 25 people there and it was a great time and um so the mother night she had been sharing particularly with her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law had got to the point where she was wanting to start following Jesus and um so she'd been sharing with her a bit but seeing as I was there she's like oh hey come on and um come and talk with us about Jesus so we were just about to like we head off to the side there just with night and her sister-in-law and I and we're going to start chatting a bit more seriously. And the karaoke level went from like here to here. So they're like, oh, this isn't going to work. Let's go down the road to the sister-in-law's place. So we go down another 200 metres or so. And we just get ourselves set up um, sitting on one of those wooden platform things. And um, this neighbour lady from there comes barging in and she's all head up and she's all kind of and anyway just went on and on and on and on so the story was that way back seven years ago when Knight used to live there uh, she had bought something from her little shop for her then son-in-law who you know marriage broke up and whatever and um, never paid for it seven years ago and this lady is now like, give me that money. <laughs> she didn't have any money on her, so she couldn't do that. So anyway, so this is going on and on. And then, um, you know, I'm just used to things like that. So I'm just like, well, God, I don't know if this is going to actually go anywhere today or not. But, oh, well, I'm just here. And then finally she comes down enough to notice me and she goes, oh, does she speak Khmer? They're like, oh, yeah, she'll have understood everything. And, uh, and she's like, oh, okay. So then she started talking to me and uh, she says, oh, you know, so what do you do? And God's given me this good way of answering that question that takes me out of the box. Because, you know, if, if you're talking to people and they have you in a box, they think they know what you're on about, like, there's no conversation going to happen. They think they know, okay, see you later. But... Um, if you can say things that kind of go outside of the box, then you have the opportunity for a conversation. So the way I answer that question is I say, well, actually, I'm a volunteer and I'm here to help Cambodians get set free from their karma. <laughs> and for some people, that kind of immediately sparks a conversation. But for this particular woman, it was just like complete blank. So I added to that and said, 
through depending on Jesus. And then the face went from a blank to a complete, (laughs) I don't want anything to do with that. Because you see, Cambodians really associate, as soon as they hear the name Jesus, they actually don't really know anything about Jesus, but they think they do, okay? Because of the way churches have generally been done in Cambodia, which is pretty similar to how we do churches here, to them, all they see is the Western religion. They don't see Jesus at all. They just see this Western Christianity. So I've learned that the next thing that I have to say is, but this Jesus that I'm talking about is not the same as Western Christianity. So Jesus Christianity are not the same thing. And she's like, what? So I have to give them this little bit of a history lesson, which I think is good for us to understand as well, that Jesus did not actually start a religion. Think about it. If he had started a religion, he would not have continued being in the Jewish religion, right? And certainly his disciples would not. But we see that Jesus participated in the religion of his country and even his first followers continued to participate in the religion of their country. They didn't branch off and do something brand new. And in fact, they thought that people from other countries had to adopt the Jewish religion in order to follow Jesus because that's what Jesus was following. So we say, okay, so, you know, he didn't start a religion. He brought something that's for everybody in every place. And, um, and then it's only when the good news about Jesus really took hold in Europe that what we kind of have, the assumptions we have about Christianity today really developed. And then from Europe... The good news about Jesus in the packaging of Western Christianity has now gone all over the world and we think that's the standard Christianity. But actually, Jesus doesn't need that packaging at all. Anyway, so sharing that with her and she's like, oh, really? And then shared, um, and she, she, she had some things to say about that and, um, and then shared with her what we call the creation to Christ story. And it goes a bit like this. You see... Oh, well, I said to her, see, this God that I'm talking about, he's the God of the whole world and he created everything that you see and, um, and he's actually been with you your whole life except that you haven't quite been aware of him. He's been right here. And I, I think I, I reached down and I touched her knee and she goes, oh, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> so then I said, okay, let me tell you more about this God. You see, in the beginning, there was nothing. There was no earth, no sky, no universe, nothing. There was just God. And God created everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. And the final thing that God created was people, two people, a man and a woman, in order to be his representatives and to be the spiritual authority over the earth. But those two people did not continue to listen to God. They listened to an angel who had rebelled against God. And in doing so, instead of having the authority under God over everything else, they came under the authority of the spirits and the fallen angels. And the whole world changed to have all of the evil and sickness and death and everybody's heart then began to have sin and karma. And uh, those two people, they had children, grandchildren, populated the whole earth with all the nations of the earth. But no matter how hard people tried to do good or what religion they followed, there's a few things they just could not fix. One of them is the sin and karma in our lives. The other is being under the authority of the spirits. So in Cambodia, you know, that's an everyday experience, right? 
But God so wanted to fulfill his original plan for people that God himself humbled himself, came into this world, was born as a little baby, and they gave him the name Jesus. And when Jesus grew up, he demonstrated his authority over everything over the, in the world, over sickness and death, over the spirits, over nature, over sin. But, you know, he didn't come just to demonstrate his authority. He came to put us back into that place of being God's representative. So, although Jesus had no sin and karma in his life, he allowed jealous religious leaders to take him and put him to death on the cross. And when he was on that cross, he suffered terribly. And that was the time in which he took into himself the sin and the karma of the whole world. And that was so bad that when he died, he went down to the lowest hell. But his merit and his power are so great that he defeated our sin and karma and he defeated all of the angels and the and the spirits, the fallen angels and the spirits, and he defeated death. And on the third day, he rose again. And he went and met with his disciples, and they freaked out, thinking that he was a ghost. But he said, don't be afraid. Here, feel. And they realized he really was risen from the dead. And now this is paraphrasing, so it makes sense to them, but if we put it this way. Then Jesus said, uh, now anyone who quits depending on themselves and depends completely on me, They'll be set free from their sin and karma, set free from the spirits, and I'll put them back into that place of authority that they are God's representative. Now go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus continued to meet with them for 40 days, and then he went up into the sky, and he went back into heaven. And one day he's going to come back in the same way that he left. So we talked about that story for a while. And, you know, even before this, she started saying, you know what, I'm feeling so much better than when I came. And she explained that uh, the reason that she had been so head up trying to get this money that was owed to her from several years ago was that she has a heart condition and she has to take medication every day. And it had been a really big struggle for her just to walk like the 30 metres from her house to this house. But she's like, you know, I'm feeling so much better than when I came. And, um, and, and she said, well, like, so what would, God's, what would God's way of dealing with this problem that I have? You know, like I need the money and I don't have any money. So, you know, what, what would God say to do? And I said, well, the way I understand it, God says that if we loan money or, you know, have people borrow things from us, we have to pretty much write that off, not expect it back. And if we have a need, then instead of trying to get it from somebody else, we actually just bring that need to God and then expect him to fulfill it in some way or other we don't know how he's going to meet that need but he has all sorts of creative ways and she's like oh yeah you know that's pretty good because you know even if you really really hassle people that owe you money they don't necessarily give you the money back <laughs> anyway so we're having conversations like this and and then um to kind of really wrap it up i, I shared with her as i mentioned in the video buddha's four noble truths that help us to understand about jesus and so because buddha taught this if you have a body, you have suffering, right? Nobody lives this life and gets a free pass with no suffering. If you have suffering, it's because you have sin and karma. There is only one place with no suffering. We would call that heaven. In their terminology, nirvana is a better fit for the biblical concept of uh, heaven, but anyway... Um, and then the fourth thing is the way that you get to that place of no suffering. So Buddha said that to get there, you have to be completely right 
in all that you say and you do and you think. But that's kind of a little bit like Old Testament law, isn't it? So then we say, okay, well, this is the difference between Buddha and Jesus. See, Buddha said that you just have to try really hard. You have to depend on yourself. There's nobody else who can do anything about this for you. But Jesus said, actually, you have to give up on yourself. You have to quit depending on yourself and depend completely on Jesus. And he will set you free from your sin and karma and put you back into that place of authority. So we're talking about that some more as well. And anyway, so then eventually I'm like, okay, better wrap this up. And so so I asked her and the sister-in-law, you know, the night she'd already made this decision. But so I said to the two of them, so, you know, do you want to quit depending on yourself and depend completely on Jesus? And this lady, the neighbour, she took offence at the question. But you'll never guess why. She says, I can't believe that you're asking me that question. Can't you see that I'm already depending on Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, like from the things that she was saying, I was kind of picking up like she's really tracking with this and she's really, really going with this. But, but I was not expecting that. Can't you see I'm already depending on Jesus? <laughs> So then I said, okay, well, just have a talk to Jesus and um, tell him that, you know, you're not going to depend on yourself anymore. You're just depending on him. And so they just talked to Jesus. And, and after that, she says, you know what? I don't only feel like emotionally better. Like, my heart feels better. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Well, I didn't see her for another couple of months. And so a couple of months later, I'm back there and she comes running up to me and she goes, guess what? Guess what? My heart really got healed. Praise God. It's just such a wonderful thing to be able to lead people to Jesus in one conversation. It's amazing. It never used to happen before I understood how to share Jesus in this way. Um, And then to have people experience the power of God just through a conversation. That's just been wonderful. Um, So... But let me tie this into a scripture because um, I think this will help us understand a bit more Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. Many of you will know John chapter 4 and, um, and many of you will know that so in those biblical times, so you had the, the Jews and they lived like to the north and then the south and right in the middle was this area called Samaria and the people in Samaria there they weren't really Jews. They'd sort of adopted a little bit of the Jewish religion, but they kind of weren't quite right. And they actually had been brought in from other countries to live in that land. And anyway, there was some, you know, cross um, marriage and whatever. But so the Jews, you know, just had no time for the Samaritans. They were like, they're wrong. They're not Jews. You know, and, and the Samaritans are like, well... You know, the Jews, they've got these things wrong and they're just wrong and, you know, we're the ones that write. And Does this sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you know, these two, they're just completely wrong. And they're like, yeah, they're just completely wrong. They just didn't want to have anything to do with each other. But the Jews had to keep walking through their territory to go from one part to the other. So Jesus and his disciples are walking through this uh, area of Samaria. And um, it's about lunchtime. They're hot and tired and hungry. Jesus decides to just sit down by a well um, outside of a town and sends his disciples into the town to buy food. So he's just there all by himself. 
this woman comes to draw some water out of the well. Samaritan woman, of course. So Jesus says, can you give me a drink? And as simple as that statement was, that was a completely outside-the-box thing for Jesus to say. Remember what I said about if you're in the box? So it opened up a conversation because she says, hang on a minute, you're a Jew, um, I'm a Samaritan woman, and you're wanting to get me to give you a drink out of, like, my container? Because Jews, they're like, they would not drink or eat out of anything that belonged to a Samaritan. So, and Jesus uses that opportunity and says, well, actually, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. So, but then for this woman, it comes into a loggerhead's point where she says, oh, but you don't have anything to draw water with. Are you trying to tell me that you are greater than our ancestor that dug this well? You know, so it's kind of like that, oh, you know, ours is better than yours. (laughs) How many of you have been in those sort of conversations? Um, but Jesus gets around that. How? He goes for the deeper need. And he says, well, you know, if you drink this water, you're just going to be thirsty again, but I will give you water, living water, that you, when you drink that water, you'll never be thirsty again. And she says, oh, yeah, can you give me that water? And Jesus says, okay, well, go and get your husband, and then we'll talk about it. And she says, well, actually, I don't have a husband and Jesus says, yeah, actually, that was, that was a good thing to say because you've had five husbands and the man that you're with now is not actually your husband. And then she goes, oh, I see that you're a prophet. So now we're really getting into spiritual things, right? And do you know the first thing that she says? Another. She says, you Jews say that you have to worship in Jerusalem, but, you know, our ancestors, we've always worshipped on this mountain. So it's, you know, the comparison of, of the religious, you know, things of how you're supposed to do or what God requires, all that kind of stuff. So and Jesus says, again, just goes for the heart, the deeper issue. He says, well, you know, there's going to be time that it doesn't matter where you worship because God is looking for the people who worship in spirit and truth. And, um, and that kind of triggers then something for her And even though, like, so the Jews would look at the Samaritans and say, you know, the overall package is just wrong, you know, it's just wrong. But they had a few things in it that were right. And she demonstrates one thing at this point, that she says, actually, I've heard that there's going to be this Messiah that comes and then he's going to tell us all things. And so Jesus picks up on this one right thing that she's got and and uses it to, to reveal himself and says, actually... That's me. And, um, and she, she goes, oh, wow. And by this time, the disciples are coming back from the town. And um, she leaves her water jar there, runs into the town, and tells everybody what Jesus has said to her. But the disciples come along, and they're scratching their head. And they're like, what in the world's going on here? Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. What in the world? And, um, and Jesus tries to unpack it for them. Because for them, it was like, Samaria is just where you walk through. It's not where you do ministry. Like, there's no point. There's no point trying to get through to these people. You know, like, there just is no point. But now let's put that scripture on. Jesus says to his disciples, trying to explain it to them, 
don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? In other words, you know, there's a, there's a process and you plant and you've got to wait this time and, you know. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So what this means is that actually the harvest is riper than we think. And that is most certainly a huge thing that I've learned in Cambodia. And you know what? It applies to Australia as well. There are so many people who you kind of go, oh, they're just, you know, they're closed. They don't want to talk about Jesus. Don't even, you know, don't mention the word church. Like, just, they are not ripe. But actually, there's an awful lot of people like that that are incredibly ripe. They may not be open to the way that you, you have been portraying Jesus to them or the way that they think of Jesus at this time, but there's actually something going on by the Spirit of God there. And, um, and you know, Jesus says to them, open your eyes and look at the fields. So the problem wasn't the Samaritan people, actually. The problem was the disciples' perception of the Samaritan people. And they just kind of write them off. They're not open. No point. And Jesus says, if you actually look differently, it's a mindset thing that we've got to change. God's saying, these people all around you, they're actually ripe. And I think it's kind of like um, if, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a farming person, right? But say you uh, planted a field that you had all these different kinds of crops and you, but you just had one combine harvester that went through and harvested everything that grew to this level. You know? So you went through and you harvested that and you go, right, that's it. That's all we got. But actually, there's a whole lot of other stuff there. And if you actually had different methods to harvest it differently, you could actually get a whole lot of other people. And then you could harvest it differently again. But then check this part here. I really love this. The verse 38. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So, hmm, who are those others? Now, in the, in the situation of this lady, Heng, the neighbor, in the story that I just told, uh, she, you know, like she had a negative reaction to Jesus and Christianity just because of the general you know, general knowledge there is about churches that are, you know, all around Cambodia. But she hasn't actually met a real Christian. She hasn't met anybody who's actually told her about Jesus. I don't think there's anybody that specifically prayed for her. Praise God. Thank you for every one of you who actually pray for the nation of Cambodia. That's a wonderful thing. But I don't think anybody specifically prayed for her. So who sowed the seed? The fact that she came to Jesus and experienced a miraculous um, impact of the Spirit of God um, in one conversation, like, she was ripe, okay? So, who planted the seed? 
that it would actually grow to be ripe. Um, guess what? In her case, it was Buddha. <laughs> what? It, it was Buddha's teachings from the time that she was young that was cultivating this awareness in her heart and then all she needed was to hear who Jesus is and what he's done for her and she's there. There was no long process of helping her to understand her spiritual need and you know, all this kind of stuff. Like There, there are things that, you know, it, she was ripe. And I believe that what this scripture is telling us is that in every like wrong philosophy, wrong religion, we look at the overall package and we go, that's wrong, okay? But in those things, you know what? God has prepared for himself some things that are right. And like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman, he didn't just like throw off the whole package. He just kept going for the heart, kept going for the heart. And then when she brought up something that was actually right, he jumps on that and goes, yes. And this is what this is talking about. Mm. Jesus is what this yeah. is about. And so she was ready. Yeah. She, she didn't feel like, oh, I have to stop being Samaritan. I have to now try and become Jewish and do all that. She, she realized, no, God is right here with me he has been all this time and and now I'm just coming to experience him in the way that he intended to and I, and I get to get set free from my sin and all of this kind of thing so it's like how amazing our God is yeah. you know and I think with the the normal kind of mentality that we have is that okay that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and you all have to become like us so you can have Jesus yeah well, that's kind of one way of harvesting and you're not going to get very far. <laughs> you know, hey, in Australia, you don't get very far doing that. So what do you do? Well, you don't kind of just go, oh, yes, everything's wonderful. But you accept people where they are and you look for what God has already put in their hearts, right? We've got to have eyes to see. Like Jesus said to his disciples, open your eyes, look. God is actually at work in people's lives all around you. Even the people who are so close to Jesus, God is there. They're just not really aware of him. But there are things that God is doing. And if we can see it and then line up with what God is doing and be there at those times when the things that are right, that are true, they say those things and we can say, yes, that is what Jesus is actually all about. And then we can bring them further to actually experience the power of God in their lives. So that's my challenge to you, to open your eyes. That the, the harvest is riper than you think. That should excite you. I hope that excites you. It might scare you. I hope it scares you. <laughs> because it's like we can't just keep doing our safe thing that we are used to and just think this is going to be it. We need to be prepared to step out on a limb with God and just really look and see with his eyes what he's doing with the people around us. Because God has you in the place that you're in for a purpose 
and he's already at work there and he wants you to partner with him and to have that attitude like a missionary of, okay, I'm coming into their world and I'm going to see with new eyes what God is doing here and then I'm going to be the one that says, yeah, this is Jesus. This is what's right. This is how you can now take another step to come even closer to him. Is that exciting? <laughs> so I want to tell you again, open your eyes. The fields are ripe to harvest and they are riper than you think. And, and as, as kind of a rule of thumb, just keep looking for the heart. Just keep looking for people's hearts. Like what's really going on in there? And then, and what is God doing in there? If we have that kind of an attitude, then we can walk alongside people who even are doing terrible things, are in a terrible space. But we can walk alongside them because we're seeing their heart as God sees them. And we can see the things that God is already putting in place there. So once again, John 4.35, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So don't write people off. When you see someone who's really antagonistic and you're not able to reach out to them, you're not like that, you can't get through to them, don't just go, oh, well, they're not ripe, you know, forget them. Pray, if you can't do it, pray that God would send somebody to them who can, um, you know, work with what God is already putting in their hearts. And, um, yeah, so that, like, God, there's always, God is always calling people to step out further. So, you know, like, it's the most wonderful thing to be a part of a family, to be here and, and you know, there's work to be done to build the family, to establish it, to grow it, multiply it. But then there's always people that God is calling to go beyond, you know, and I don't know what that's going to look like for for you guys, but I suspect that God is calling some of you, that God has already put in your heart, different people groups, whether here in Australia or far away, that is going to take something different to what you have here to reach them. You know, not everybody is going to be able to integrate into this family. There's going to have to be some different expressions of how things are done. And some of you, God is calling you to be those you know, pioneers that get out there and do new things, like in cooperation with the body, just as you guys are partnering with me from, you know, way over there, but there's going to be things like that where Cornerstone, you're partnering with other sorts of expressions that are different, very different to this, and yet you're working together for the kingdom of God. So let me ask you this question. What's God saying to you right now? And I wonder if there are some of you that God is actually calling to be a missionary. If you've sensed a stirring in your heart about that. And then there's others of you who, you know, God really is stirring your heart about particular people groups or areas here, whether in Brisbane or somewhere in, in Australia. Let's just pray together.